Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actist podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. The Actist podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, July 17, marks our 128th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of the uh, ACTUS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists. I'm, of course, your host for today's program, CDI and Home Health. I'm joined today at left by my familiar co-host, Alan Frady. Uh, Alan is a CDI education specialist for us here at ACTUS where he teaches clinical documentation improvement boot camps and serves as a subject matter expert. Alan is an accomplished consultant with a background in coding and documentation, including more than 12 years as a coding consultant, two years as a coding director, and six years as a CDI consultant. And I'm glad to have him back on the show. So welcome to the program, Alan. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Next, I'd like to introduce our two special guests today. We have with us Carol Liptak. Uh, Carol is System Director of CDI Encoding at Baptist Health Kentucky in Louisville. She has worked in the HIM field and is an HIM director in various states, including Virginia, Maryland, Texas, Indiana, and now Kentucky. Carol earned her bachelor's degree in medical record administration at Norfolk State University in Virginia and her master's in healthcare administration informatics the University of Maryland in Tacoma Park. As an HIM director, she's overseen the CDI program for approximately 15 years. And at Baptist, she oversees CDI and coding, hospital and home health for eight facilities in Kentucky. So obviously very busy and we're pleased to have her on the show. Welcome, Carol. Thank you, Brian. Okay. We also have with us our Carol's colleague, Regina Collier. Uh, Regina is the Home Health Coding and CDI Specialist Manager at Baptist Health Kentucky. She's worked in the home health field for over 25 years, serving as a field clinician, clinical manager, and director in Eastern and Central Kentucky throughout her career. She earned her bachelor's degree in nursing at the University of Kentucky, and in the past 18 months has overseen the development of a team of home health clinicians and coders who provide the medical coding and complete documentation for Baptist Health's six home health and one hospice agencies. So welcome, Regina. Thank you, Brian. All right. Well, as we always do, we're going to start with a poll question related to today's topic. We'll ask you to pick the choice that best pertains to you. I'm gonna go ahead and get this rolling. So today we're asking you has your organization expanded its CDI reviews to include home health patients or services? And your options are yes, we have a formal home health CDI process. Uh, somewhat informally, maybe you're just taking some first tentative steps in that direction. Uh, no, not sure, or not applicable. Again, I imagine not everyone has a home health as part of agency, as part of their hospital organization. Again, has your organization expanded its CDI reviews to include home health patients and services? Uh, yes, we have a formal home health CDI process, somewhat or informally, no, 
not sure or not applicable. I'm gonna give this one more minute as we collect responses. We've got close to 80% of our audience has voted. Okay, let's go ahead and close that out. And as we always do, we'll be returning to this poll in just a few minutes. All right. All right, as I mentioned, our guests today are Carol Liptak and Regina Collier. Carol and Regina, thanks for being guests on the Actus podcast today. You know, I thought we were just chatting before the show. I don't know a lot about your 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 uh, CDI efforts in the home health space to Baptist Health, um, and I'd like to maybe start just by providing some context for our audience about your CDI program, um, both in the acute care and the home health setting. So, could you talk a little bit about that? Um, you know, whether you've sensed dedicated professionals working to clarify home health documentation, for example, or whether this is part of your acute care staff's uh, role or, or sort of just maybe some of the, the, the basics for our audience today. Sure. Um, thank you, Brian, for inviting us to share with you our CDR program at Baptist Health in Kentucky and Indiana on the Actus podcast. We're very excited to be here and to share what we're doing here at Baptist. Um, we've had an inpatient CDI program since the spring of 2000 in Lexington and Louisville, which are our larger um, facilities. Uh, the other facilities followed suit shortly thereafter. We have eight hospitals within our system. Seven of them are in Kentucky and one is in Indiana. Uh, amongst our CDI uh, team, we have 44 CDSs, one of which is our system manager, four supervisors, two auditor educators, three who perform hospital outpatient CDI, and 1.5 FTEs in denials and data analysis. We have a totally separate group for home health CDI slash coders who code the diagnoses and review the OASIS form for quality. Within this group, we have 10 employees. Regina is our home health CDI manager who's uh, co-hosting with me. And we have five of these CDSs who are RNs in that home health group. One is an occupational therapist, one is a physical therapist, and two have medical record coding credentials. And all on the home health coding CDI team are uh, experienced home health employees. Uh, they are HCSC coding certified, and they are either COSC or HCSO OASIS certified. Uh, the Baptist Home Health Care System has five home health agencies in Kentucky. We have one agency in Indiana and one hospice agency in Kentucky. All right. Interesting. So occupational therapists and physical therapists. We'll get into that a little bit later, but that might give a little more context for the type of medical conditions you're encountering in this in this space. Yes, yes, it's yes. All right. Thank you. Okay, so uh, I have a question. And I think this question that a lot of people probably have, which is how did you guys get started? How did this come to be? Did um, somebody come to you with denials or questions or vulnerabilities? 
was there opportunity for improvement? I know with I know a lot of times it's denials that kicks us off, <clears throat> but being that it's so unusual, I'm kind of curious. Well, um, actually, the way this got started for us at Baptist is that we had uh, totally outsourced all of our home health coding uh, to a vendor, and a decision was made to bring that work back in-house in January of 2018. So Regaine and I got together and, and kind of brainstormed uh, the best ways to bring that in-house. Um, and we wanted to make improvements in our case mix index for home health and quality star ratings by bringing this back in and we felt that if we had our own internal dedicated team that we could watch that much more closely and have more loyal um, staff than excuse me outsourcing to a vendor hmm. interesting Maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the, the typical documentation improvement needs or clarifications for home health. Um, we know, you know, I haven't done many, many active podcasts about some of the diagnoses that CDI are typically concerned with um, on the uh, acute care inpatient side, but, but just interested in, the, in sort of the clinical picture, what it is you guys are seeing that might need clarification from the physician and or a clinician involved in the care and and um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that for our audience today. Sure. Um, some of the documentation improvement needs that we encounter are very similar to our inpatient and ambulatory CDI work, uh, such as specificity of diagnoses like diabetes and heart failure. Um, and due to this fact, we have joint meetings on a regular basis with all of our CDI teams at Baptist Hospital both inpatient and outpatient hospital work, uh, ambulatory or physician practice, CDI and home health CDI all at the same table to make sure we coordinate efforts and education in order to eliminate any redundancies in our work. And specific diagnosis and clinical concerns that we typically encounter in the home health setting uh, that need further, ED, need further uh, clarification from the physician and a lot of times we'll have wounds that we need etiology diagnosed um, it won't be clearly specified in the medical record or we'll have referrals for symptoms that we need a definitive diagnosis which we know with PDGM coming up that's going to be absolutely necessary so in these situations we place the coding on hold query the provider to obtain those diagnoses uh, so those are a lot of the situations that we typically see. Yeah, I mean, that was a follow-up question I had was whether you, you, you do perform traditional queries where you're, you're maybe doing it concurrently and you're holding the chart or whether this is done educationally or even pre-visit by a, a home health rep or um, how, the, how that workflow looks. It's generally retrospective for these, but we do hold the charts and don't drop them until we get the response. Yeah, yeah, we hold the coding until um, we make all efforts to get um, the diagnosis before we proceed with the coding. You know, we don't want to code an unspecified code or, um, you know, we, we do make all efforts. And usually we are successful in getting that. Gotcha, that's great. 
you mentioned um, wound clarification. I had a, triggered another question for me. Are you, do you see typically a lot of pressure injuries just being documented as wounds in the home health uh, arena? Yes, and a lot of times we may have a referral um, and the clinician goes out and finds a pressure ulcer on the patient that's not been documented in the medical record. Um, so therefore, you know, the clinician, um, what would happen would make that call to that physician, that provider, um, verify the diagnosis of a pressure ulcer, document that conversation in the medical record, and write a verbal order obtaining that physician's signature uh, that that patient does have that pressure ulcer. And we do accept that uh, confirmation to code that in the medical record. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the, the phrase wound will trigger a lot of coders to try and report a traumatic injury. <laughs> right. When the, so right. Uh, right. calling these things wounds when they're in fact pressure injuries are, is a problem. Um, right. I think we might have defeated that on the inpatient side, maybe, um, but it's interesting that it's still so common in the, in the home health. So, um, but to shift gears just a little bit. So as I understand, you guys have what's called an OASIS form, which has to be completed for the home health setting in order to sort of adjudicate your billing. Can you explain to listeners what this form is, what it's used for, uh, and how CDI is making an impact, I guess, in terms of your process and using the, firm, the form, um, as well as you know, how do you review this and how that fits into your workflow, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Okay. Um the OASIS is the Outcome Assessment and Information Set. The, that's the form used by CMS to collect data about the patient's health information and functional status. The OASIS must be completed at certain time points during the patient's home health services. It's collected at start of care, at recertification, which is every 60 days if they're still on services, if a significant change in condition occurs, and also at discharge. If a patient happens to go into an inpatient facility while they're receiving home health care, uh, a transfer oasis has to be completed. And then when the patient returns home from that inpatient facility, a resumption of care has to be done. Um, so it's a very uh, detailed document um, that um, records, you know, when the clinician completes it, it has all the data on it that completes the uh, functional status, it goes a complete system assessment, and it has multiple purposes. It measures patient outcomes, risk factors, it guides the agency's quality and performance improvement, and it is essentially the hub of your whole care planning process. The OASIS data, along with your medical coding, also determines your revenue reimbursement that the agency receives for all the care and services provided to the patient. So CDI makes an impact on the OASIS by reviewing the complete medical and clinical documentation for accuracy and consistency. So what our team looks like, looks at, is we look at the face-to-face -face medical encounter information. We review the OASIS, we review the orders, the medications, the clinical notes, 485, plan of care, and then we will send a query back to the clinician 
for any clarifications or any noted inconsistencies that we may find. And we provide education and rationale based on CMS, OASIS guidance, and coding regulations for all of our queries. Uh, and of course, it's always up to the clinician to make any recommended changes to the documentation, but we always support our recommendations by OASIS uh, guidance. Now, the review of the OASIS, really it fits perfectly into the flow of the CDI workflow. Um, it's a central part of everything we do. Um, the documentation of the OASIS confirms the patient's homebound status and the need for skilled care provided for the agency. So in your opinion, this, how accurate on the whole, if you look at all of home health, how accurate do you think that the diagnosis reporting really is? Not, not, not where you are because you're improving it, but just industry-wide. Do you have any idea? Just a gut feeling? How Okay, repeat that. I'm sorry, how accurate on the whole is? Well, or I guess, I guess another way of phrasing it is how many problems did you initially see when you started? I'm curious to know, like if, if we did auditing, you know, at our level and we looked at home health diagnosis reporting, is it something that's done fairly accurately or do you think that there's a lot of opportunity for improvement there industry-wide? I would think there's a lot of opportunity for improvement. I think a, a lot of it is is um, clarifying and reaching the specificity of diagnoses that we need. I think oftentimes that's where we find the most opportunity. I agree. I do agree. I mean, well, I mean that was a difficult kind of question because we don't have any studies on it that I know of. I was just curious. Yeah. Right. Um, right. You know, another area is like with patients that have suffered a stroke, uh, being sure the sequela is, it's not always clearly defined in the medical record, uh, the sequela, uh, if there's still uh, a residual or a lot of, and we'll get referrals for patients that had stroke and then went to an inpatient facility and it's not really clear by looking at that medical documentation, has all the residuals resolved? Are we looking at just a weakness now? Uh, and just those types of documentation really need to be improved upon for coding on Arian. All right. And maybe just to wrap up here, uh, I got a couple of questions from our listeners just related to and um, sort of the metrics you use to track the success of your program and or report to leadership. You know, you mentioned at the outset, you, you do look at maybe CMI, you look at some star ratings. Is there anything that you use as the benchmark for improvement and, and sort of how you might report that up? That has been our key metric so far is, is case mix index and uh, the star ratings. And actually, you know, we are fairly relatively new in all of our processes. So we really are just watching and trending. We really cannot say specifically that what we're doing has made a huge impact in uh, either one of those at this point. We are trending it and watching it. But that's what we're looking for. We're looking to see, you know, what our work, what we're doing, um, how it is impacting those. 
and it's taking quite some time to, to look at that over all the different agencies that were um, trending. Um, the other things that we are doing is, is, you know, tracking our queries, looking at query responses, trying to mirror what we do on the acute care side as much as possible in home health. I think part of our uh, struggle is not having um, tools like software um, to facilitate better tracking of things. We're having to use spreadsheets. Um, things like that, which, you know, is, is not optimal. But I think we're very similar in many aspects to ambulatory CDI and physician practice CDI, except for just a little bit further behind that even. So it, it, it is a struggle. We really do. Yeah. Well, you're trailblazers and, you, and you're doing great work. And it's, it's interesting. <laughs> new, new, new opportunity here we're seeing. You know, maybe just to wrap up, uh, any for our listeners who might be considering expanding CDI into home health, are there any resources you might recommend, websites, other helpful tools you have found? I know there's not a lot out there, it sounds like, but do, do you guys have a something you you use to help you in your in your efforts here? Uh, really, the only resource I found, uh, Decision Health has an excellent book um, by Joan Usher. Uh, the book is the CDI Guide for Home Health and Hospice. Uh, that's the only resource I have really found, but it is an excellent guide. Um, Carol, right. have you found anything? You know, really, that that has been the main resource um, that we have seen. But I I think that one of the things that helped us tremendously was uh, when we did start doing the uh, bringing this on uh, internal was um, the selection of our staff uh, because we wanted to um, start with staff that um, had experience in the field. That's why we have a you know one that's a physical therapist, one that's an occupational therapist, and our and each one of these actually works in the field and has that in, uh, inherent knowledge of the practice, work in the field, the OASIS forms, all of that. So that just gave us a huge, tremendous running start. And then um, we did have those that had the coding knowledge. And so it just helped us with training um, both sides of the equation. Right. Right. Um, our therapists and nurses who have been in the field and also clinical manager to our to reviewed OASIS and audited and very familiar and actually worked out with patient care and uh, also familiar with medical coding and as I said are certified in coding and OASIS. All right well great stuff great blended team there and I wish you guys a lot of success moving forward here. I'm going to go Thank ahead you. and uh, I'm going to go ahead and share our poll results again again we asked folks um, whether their organization has expanded its uh, CDI reviews to include home health patients of services so probably not surprisingly but only one percent of our listeners have some type of formal home health CDI process in place so you guys are certainly trailblazers at, at Baptist um, two percent are doing this informally 84 percent no uh, five percent not sure and 8% not applicable. So any any comments, Carol or Regina, anything, anything surprise you there? 
no, I don't think there's a real surprise to me. Um, but I'm glad to see that there's even the one and two percent in the yes and somewhat informally and and maybe we could even connect with them because I think, you know, hearing other people's ideas and thoughts and seeing what others are doing um, benefits us as well. Right. And let me just say to the audience, if you if you are in that one or two percent, if you'd like to write me after the program, we are trying to do a little more research and fact gathering here in this in this area. It's so new to CDI um, that we'd love to talk to you. Um, but please feel free to write me after the show at bmurphy at actus.org. Very cool. Anything here, Alan, you'd want to comment on? Um, I was just going to say, I'd, I'd like to see a more formalized presentation on it. Maybe we'll have to invite these ladies to come and do a, a webinar or something at some point. I would, I would love to dig into this deeper. Um, I'm just curious. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Get, in, get into the specific diagnoses a little deeper and the most common problems and things. It's incredibly interesting and possibly an area that other places may want to eventually look at expanding into. I'm sure there's some agencies that are struggling in this area. Right. All right. Well, at this point, I am going to move to our In the News segment. Um, again, In the News is is a segment featuring the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Um, so today, what you should be seeing on your screen right now is an article, CEO Outlines Plan to Save Hanneman University Hospital. So before I even get started on this, there has been an update to this article, um, which has been unfortunate because uh, this, their CEO was not able to save, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, by the way, Hanneman, Hanneman University Hospital. Uh, the reason why I'm showing you this article today is, of course, it does have some relevance uh, to CDI. Uh, it's an interesting article that is an unfortunate case study of the financial realities facing a lot of hospitals out there. Um, you know, at the time when I pulled this up for the In the News segment, there was a decision to be made about whether the hospital could be saved in the next 30 to 45 days. And the CEO is ex uh, extensively quoted in here as the hospital losing three and, between three and $5 million per month, um, very hard hit financially, and ran through some of the reasons why here. I'll scroll down to those. There were four factors that he identified as putting the hospital's long-term viability in jeopardy. Uh, these included uh, the hospital after executing short time extensions with private payers after a leadership change has not had any success in getting commercial insurers to negotiate new contracts so in some insurance issues uh, volume has dropped from an average of 300 patients per day to between 2 and 250 which made it difficult to cover the costs of 24 hour a day staffing levels for some of the high-end services the hospital provided uh, the hospital has an academic training program operated through its affiliation with Drexel University School of Medicine on pace to lose $30 million this year. Um, and the hospital is only getting about 7% of its admission from physicians who are also faculty members. Um, the vast majority of admissions coming from patients into the ED are on Medicaid or Medicare, which we know only pay a small amount of hospital charges. But really the big one which caught my eye is a lack of clinical documentation training for physicians. 
that has resulted in tremendous volume of downgrades and denials from insurers. This paragraph here is in question. Uh, startling statistic there, denials um, estimated that between denials and admission being downgraded to OBS status, the hospital's only being paid for 50% of the services it provides. You know, we, we know that observation status pays quite a bit less than, than an admission into the hospital. Um, sharing this here because obviously it's a, it's a case study that's unfortunate, but does demonstrate the need for a CDI department. Um, frankly, as a little editorial aside, you know, we, we sometimes have folks that want in, in CDI that want to shy away from the reimbursement angle of the profession. But, you know, I, I, I think this article demonstrates that if you don't have a CDI program or a, C, a formal department, you're really in a vulnerable position. You know, you're, you're competing against hospitals that might have one, um, making yourself more vulnerable to these types of denials, downgrades that could lead to some real financial issues. And again, as I mentioned, um, the update is that this hospital is in fact closing. And if you'd like to read a little bit more about the, the details, recommend you check out this article on actus.org. As I always do, I will provide the links to these um, articles in the show notes. But any any questions, uh, excuse me, any, any comments, Carol, Regina, uh, about this situation? Um, you guys having these types of conversations in your own organization? I guess the only the only comments that I had is I thought it was very interesting to see related to a hospital um, not well and and the the lack of CDI. I thought that was very interesting because you don't normally see us or our department mentioned like that. But I do um, agree that you know, we do get an awful lot of denials. And so if we didn't have our denial team working on them and um, appealing strongly um, with our success rate that we have, um, you know, it, it could hurt our facilities as well. But, and I think right. it's important to, to, to train the physicians, maybe at Drexel University. I don't know if they have that in their curriculum, but it certainly is uh, something to think about if they don't, is to do some documentation improvement for the training yeah. physicians. I really wanted to see CDI taught at, at the at the medical school level, and I know, you know, obviously most of the most of the focus should be on clinical care and treatment, and but um, it just shows its importance. Yes. Any comments on this, Alan? Oh, I just want to point out that for every hospital that we hear about that goes out of business, there's dozens of hospitals that are just barely hanging on, um, probably representative of the sort of toxic cultural environment where you don't get good position buy-in, you don't have a position advisor, you don't have administrative support, and you may or may not have a functioning CDI program. And a lot of these facilities just limp along and actually do manage to stay in business, so we don't hear about them in this context, uh, but could do so much better if they, if they would simply do a few basic things in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's, we're going to wrap up very quickly here with a short Actus update. Um, Carol, you and uh, Regina had mentioned a, a resource that you use to help your home health efforts. I did want to point folks towards um, a sister organization of ours called AHCC, the Association of Home Care, 
home hair. <laughs> Maybe they are the Association of Home Hair. They're also the Association of Home Care, Coding and Compliance. Uh, if you would like to learn more about them, it's ahcc.decisionhealth.com. Uh, they've got a great membership with a lot of resources for folks operating in a home health environment, including um, certification programs. I think you mentioned one of those, um, Carol, perhaps yourself. But a lot of great resources here that, that can help you if you are looking to uh, expand your CDI department a little more formally into the home health setting. Again, I will provide a link to that. Uh, in the show notes of the program. Also, um, I'm going to navigate back to our home page here. You probably have seen we have a poll, a very important poll out uh, to our membership about uh, change, whether we might be changing our name. Um, Actus is going to remain the same, fortunately, but uh, as but we're, we're looking right now at whether we should change the I in the middle of our name from improvement um, to integrity. So this has been a conversation that's been ongoing for probably a year or more in the industry. And we're asking our members to weigh in on this via a poll. So if you haven't taken this poll yet, this is very important. We're looking at all your results, factoring this in our decision. It's a short three question survey, but it does have some open-ended responses in terms of why you believe this change is necessary or not whether this change might portend to change for the way CDI professionals practice. Um, so important survey, it's open right now, we'll be closing soon, but go to this page and, and take it today if you can. All right, well that is going to do it for today's uh, Actus podcast. We'll be back here in two weeks. We're gonna be doing um, a Actus Mailbag listener question show. So we've, we, I get questions sent to me after programs and some of them don't necessarily warrant an entire show. What we've done is we've taken three or four pretty ju juicy questions <laughs> related to a lot of clinical and coding issues and we're combining them into one show, Actus Mailbag. So we did this once before, very popular program, we're bringing it back. So keep those questions coming. Um, I want to thank, again, Carol and Regina for their time today. Great job about CDI and home health. Um, for our listeners, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, please send me an email at bmurphy at See you in two weeks, and take care, everyone.